Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese, joined as always by Nima Tavali. We're back properly this week. I'm back from from illness. Thanks to, to everyone for all your for all your wishes over the last week. I had a rough, rough few days the last week. I had food poisoning, really bad food poisoning. Um, but uh, I'm uh, I'm almost fully recovered now. Uh, I don't want to say fully fully recovered because I'll probably jinx it. Um, but um, but yeah, I'm back. So we're back with the Monday show. Uh, and on today's show, we will. React to the weekend Serie action. Uh, second string Inter make it 10 wins in a row as they destroy Lecce. Juventus end their, their crisis uh, with a thrilling injury time win over Frosinone. But all the, the criticism for, for Max Allegri um, goes on. Uh, Atalanta in Milan played out a, a somewhat controversial 1-1 draw on Sunday evening. The race for the top four is getting very, very interesting. Bologna make it five wins in a row. They're on fire to strengthen their push for a Champions League place. Uh, Napoli's fortunes fail to improve under new coach Francesco Calzona as they concede a disastrous injury time equaliser at Cagliari. And we'll also review all the other games as uh, Alessandro Dionisi is sacked at Sassuolo. And we'll also have our usual Baggio Premface and Serie Ass of the week. For all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode that we do every Monday reviewing the weekend Serie action and all the biggest talking point in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content that we do throughout the week, including a weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday, where we answer all of the questions from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday week review show, plus interviews, post-match reaction, and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just $2.99 a month plus VAT, and you can also sign up to be a paid subscriber on Spotify. We'll provide the link uh, on the description. Same price, same terms. And for all of you who listen on Spotify, Apple, and iTunes podcast, we'd really appreciate if you give us a five-star rating, give us a follow and a like. We're also on YouTube. Uh, it really helps us grow and do more quality content for you guys. Okay, let's get into today's show. So we'll start off with the, with the Sunday evening game. Milan against Atalanta. It finishes 1-1. It was quite a tactical game. Um, I thought that Milan were the better team and probably deserved to win the game, I think, by, by a goal, I would say. They had the, the better play. They had the better moments and the better chances. And really, Atalanta created nothing, I think, apart from the penalty. Um, but at the same time, I think that Atalanta also showed a, a new side to them that, that they can play badly and still look pretty solid uh, and organised uh, defensively themselves so it was um it was a tactical game it was a tactical game there isn't too much to talk about I think there's two big incidents that I want to talk about in this game first of all we have to take our hat off uh, to Rafael Leal Nima because uh, we've spoken mm. a lot about him recently and you did an excellent little segment on him uh, not la- not uh, last week but the week before about how he's trying to become a, por- a more complete player and how his um his goal tally this season, which hasn't been good enough, and his his shot tally in particular. When we last spoke, uh, he'd only he hadn't even had double figures for shots on target this season. Since then, he's now scored in successive games both fantastic goals, and this this uh, goal in particular, Nima, was absolutely magnificent to to break the deadlock in this game. It was stunning, world class goal by a world class talent, and and that's. That's what he is. He is a world-class talent. He's still a diamond in the rough. Um, but at times, you see he shows what he can do when that 
you know, he gives a glimpse of what that polished diamond finished product will look like. And, and it is a truly, truly unbelievable, uh, finished product. He, he has a natural swagger and star quality about him on the pitch where the, the way that it looks is it's like, as if he's decided, well, today I'm going to, today I'm going to be outstanding and today I'm going to score a worldie. And so I do, um, you know, that, that's the feeling you get when you watch him, um, that, that he's got it in him and he just needs to kind of be able to express that all the time. The work, the, 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 the going past those two players, I mean, nutmegging one and then <laughs> placing it into the top corner past the goalkeeper, Karnasecki was just, was a ridiculous goal. It was a ridiculous goal. Um, but it's, uh, I thought he was good throughout this game. I think the, you know, the segment I did was basically that, I mean, I recommend people go listen to it. We're going to share it as an independent clip, um, uh, on, on, on this week as well is, is basically that this was a deliberate decision by Pioli and him to work on his overall game, to make him a better footballer. And that's why he's been far away from goal, more involved in the build up play, and and more more involved in 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 getting the other Milan players via secondary passes and movements into dangerous goal scoring positions, and this clear statistical data of that to 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 to, to back that up. But that the all end goal uh, was to make him a better footballer, and that and then once again move him closer to goal so that he's much more complete, and then he'll be able to score more and, and be more lethal. Um, I think in the last week or so, we've seen glimpses of that. I thought it was going to wait until, I think they were going to wait until next season to, to really unleash him. But I think they've kind of started doing that already because probably purely feels he's ready to take that step. And, and it's been a really interesting journey to follow this season with him. Um, but, but still, at the same time, though, I mean, he scored two fantastic goals in the last game. The, the individual goal <coughs> from the halfway line uh, against um, uh, against Rem, where he, he carried it, uh, and from from the halfway line past three men, including the goalkeeper, and in a little bit of luck with with the with the way that the, it came off the goalkeeper Mandanda into his path, and he tapped it in. But two amazing goals. But even in that Ren game, still he missed easy chances. Yeah. But his finishing was really bad. So I think in that sense that this is. Still, kind of what we expect from from Liao in that he can produce the the spectacular, you know, these kind of like low low percentage goals, which they both were, uh, and uh, because that's what he's got in his locker. These are world class moments. Um, but no, but the still. talent is the talent is Ballon d'Or. We've always said that. There's no discussion about that. He is unique. He the the Henri similarities that you were one of the first people to draw are are, are there. I mean, that, that was an Henri goal. Henri used to do stuff like that. The difference is, of course, that Henri did it consistently throughout his career. And that's the problem here, uh, with, uh, or problem, quote-unquote, with, with Leo. He's not the finished product. It's still a work in progress. Um, and, and he, you know, at times, what that finished product can be comes shining out, and it's, it's beautiful when it does. Uh, he's, he's, he's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, he is. The other big talking point, of course, is the penalty uh, incident, which Milan are very, very angry about. Um, the Giroud, so it's 1-0 to Milan, and Giroud challenges for the ball on home. Um, what's your view on the penalty? My view is that people need to chill the hell out and learn the laws of the game. You can't kick. When you go into that situation, you're, a footballer is always responsible for their feet. 
Always, always, always. When the ball is hit, Holm is first into the situation. Giroud risks it by going in with his foot really high up and hits Holm in the chest. That's a foul. That's a foul, period. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, although there were completely different situations, Simon Kjær was heading downwards and got kicked in the head and Milan got, uh, got a penalty, if I remember correctly. And the reason for that is, as we had explained to us, is because you're responsible for your feet. The way that IFAB and FIFA tell referees that, regardless, a kick to the head should never be allowed. It's like an ice hockey. You're always responsible for your stick. Um, here, he, Holm is first into the situation. Giroud risks it, misses completely, and hits Holm. It doesn't matter how hard the impact of the kick is. It's a high kick. It hits the player in the chest. That's a foul. It's that simple. I mean, I'm looking at the image now. It's I don't even understand. The only thing that I saw Kristina uh, Unkel say, which I thought was interesting, um, was about whether or not the protocol of VAR was was correct or not. Because uh, you know, it, it does it qualify as a clear and obvious error? Well, the res- the response to that, which came from um, uh, our our friend Alessandro, who's a who who who. Who, who who knows Christina? They're really good friends, and they had a really interesting they had an interesting exchange about that. And he said, "Well, if Orsato doesn't even see the situation, which, given his position, is impossible that he did, then it becomes a clear and obvious error because he didn't see it, and it's, it warrants an on-field review." But look, I can I mean, understand. Milan, Milan obviously didn't think it was a penalty. Pioli was mm. very angry about it. The TV stations all didn't think it was a penalty. Mare- Luca Morelli, I saw, he said. It was borderline, but by law yeah. is probably the correct decision yeah. by law. My issue again with this is it's, it's just nonsense that this in modern football can be given as a penalty. I mean, the, the contact is so, is, is so, there's hardly any contact at all. There's just very, it's very, dangerous contact. very little. I don't think it's dangerous. It, it's, you can't kick that high. This is again. You cannot. It's, kick it's, it's maybe that high. It's, it's maybe clumsy and naive, but I mean the contact. There's barely any contact at all, and it just comes back to the just same bollocks law that we have today. Everything benefits the attackers. I mean, yeah, that is true. Pen- that's true. Penalties, They've decided that. Penalties They've decided that. barely any contact at all. I mean, you can't even touch players. I mean, the, 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 the con- we always talk about on this podcast all the time that a penalty shouldn't be a penalty just because there's contact. There's, there should no, be but it allowed depends to be on the situation. In, 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 I think it depends is, on the situation. I, think, I mean, I think the fact that home, the chest and, and, the fact that uh, home touches his face is, is kind of irrelevant, but also proves the point that there's barely any contact because he, he, if there's actually really any contact, he goes down and holds where he's kicked. He doesn't hold his face. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's just, I just think it just adds. It depends on the situation. I mean, contact feet to feet is a different thing than contact feet to chest or head because that's how IFAB want referees to look at it. They want to curtail those kinds of ki- those kinds of challenges, and so they're very, very harsher on those situations. Mm-hmm. And again, Emil Holm is, is you know, if if uh, Giroud is first into that situation and and he doesn't kick his head, like very hypothetically, he takes the ball and Holm runs into his foot, then that's a different situation entirely. But here it's not like there's no there's no contact with the ball whatsoever. It's just the player, and it's pretty high up because it hits him in the shoulder and the chest, and that's that that may, that's a high kick. 
Yeah. So, so I, I think I, you know, my view on this. I think it's nonsense. I think that everything in the in the in football is just benefiting attackers. And when that is one hundred percent true. I and, mean, it's, and it's, it's, it, that is I true. Mean, you said they, last week or the week before. You know, when we had the argument about the offsides. I mean, you know, you can't tackle anymore. I mean, I mean, it's a joke. I mean, lo- I mean, let's just let's just ban ta- let's just ban defending now. I mean, it's, no, it's, that, to ban it's that much of a joke now. If you but, can't but even defending has been lost. The art of defending has been lost in these many many rule changes and when trying to make football more appeasable, you know, make it more appeasing and and pleasing to the to the to the. Random. There was an incident in the Real Madrid game also with it that was the, 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 to do with the offside where a ball came into the box. Modric it. Modric scored right. Ball come into the box. Um, the uh, Sevilla defender headed it away, right? And it went to Modric and Modric scored a fantastic <coughs> goal. The only reason the Sevilla defender went for the header was because there was a Real Madrid player who was in an offside position, right? Hmm. That forced the Sevilla player to go and make that header because that because of the Real Madrid player was in the offside position. Now, now, if he hadn't have made that header, the ball wouldn't have gone to wouldn't have gone to Modric. Modric wouldn't have scored the goal, and that ended up being the winner in a in crucial goal in the title race uh, last night. Now, this is just, again, it's just another example of everything benefits an attacker, what I was saying about the offside law a couple of weeks ago. But it's just a joke. It's just there's absolute- no doubt that the law changes and the, interpre- the, the updated interpretations of the laws of the game are towards that end to, to, ha- to, to benefit more goals being scored. There's no doubt about that. And it has been for I decades. I actually now. interviewed a, a referee, Keith Hackett, who was a referee for in, uh, English referee in the in the 80s and 90s, one of the top ones in the world. Um, and he he actually said those very words. He said that after the 1990 World Cup, IFAB made a, a yeah, well, conscious decision to, uh, to, to try and make there be more goals in football. So they wanted to change the laws to make more goals in football. Yeah, um, I mean, that, that's, it's, it's clear that they have done that. It's, there's, no, there's no discussion about that. The problem is, is, and I think it's fine if you want to do that, but at the same time, there needs to be some moderation because I feel defending is, is, is almost become extinct. The art of defending has become extinct, and that's yeah. not good. That's, they have. They, they really, basically you know, outlawed defending without outlawing without outlawing yeah. defender. That's and then that's why well, that's why when that's why when people make as we've seen this past week this this prem face obsession with Paolo Maldini and comparing Virgil. Oh, we'll get Dijk to that, Nima. Don't worry. Don't uh, worry. Save is, your save your is... sa- save your uh, <laughs> save your powder for that. Um, mm. Just 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 carried on on the Atalanta line. I mean, this is a good result for Atalanta. They keep up the unbeaten twenty twenty four. I mean, their six game winning run comes to an end. Um, but it's going to be very interesting for Atlanta. They've got a crazy run of fixtures, tough run of fixtures, and really full fixture list. I mean, they, Milan away, which they play, Inter away on Wednesday, Bologna this weekend. So Milan, Inter, and Bologna in seven days. Then they have Sporting in the first leg of the Europa, and Sporting yeah. are, are absolutely flying uh, at the moment. Um, then they've got Juventus, then they've got Sporting again, uh, then they've got Fiorentina, then they've got Napoli, then they've got, they've got the... Um, the semi-finals of the of the, the the Coppa Italia coming up. So I mean, it's and this is no, every three every three or four days. So they are. I mean, they're in an amazing run, but they are going to be really tested now, uh, Atalanta. So this is where we really see what Atalanta are are made of now. Um, mm. I thought that Karnaseki. I want to give a word of praise to Karnaseki. Obviously, he couldn't do anything about the goal, uh, and didn't make any amazing saves in this game, but. I really, really like Karnaseki's development over the last few months. Since he pushed out Musso, I think that he's now, uh, I don't want to say the real deal, but I think he's 
Italy have a great batch of goalkeepers. Donnarumma, Vicario, of course, Provadel's really come on. I think Karnaseki and Di Gregorio. I think we can add definitely we can add Karnaseki now to to the to a bunch of Italian goalkeepers that we've got a really good generation of. Oh, without a doubt, Karnaseki already in Cremonese when Serie B was just ridiculous. Um, showed that he's he's a classic Italian goalkeeper in the sense that in terms of like his, his shot stopping ability, reaction, reflexes, command of the like command of his defence and area is is vintage. I think his command Italian. of the area is really improved because yeah. that was my question mark on him last season. Like mm. just sort of like coming out for crosses and being the boss and giving that calming influences. I'm seeing more and more of that. Uh, and he has the presence as well. That's what, also what I like about him. Well, he's he a classic the- Italian goalkeeper. I, I still have my doubts with his ability with the ball at his feet and his, his, his passing range and creativity and all that stuff like that that has now become very important for world-class goalkeepers in the modern age. But he's a very, very good classic Italian goalkeeper, um, and, and I'm really impressed by him. Uh, and, and it's good to see him uh, uh, doing well for Atalanta. Atalanta have struggled with a goalkeeping position for a few years now, and Juan yeah. Musa was supposed to address that issue and, and did not address that issue. Um, but look, I think what we saw, I think it was a year, last season we saw when, when Gasperini started laying the groundwork for this Atalanta, this new Atalanta, and they were playing very solid defensively. And I think we're bearing the fruits of that now, that now they can just flick on a switch and, and every player knows how to be defensively really solid in this new Gasperini 2.0 Atalanta project, whilst also developing their attacking side and, and, and you know, reinventing themselves. We're from talking that about the attacking side. Although I just got to say, they had nothing like you said in this game. I think Milan, Milan deserved to win this game. Let's yeah. not beat around the bush. No, they, they, were did. The they did. They did. They didn't dominate. They didn't create chance after chance, but they controlled the game. They had, they created enough chances to win it. Um, you take away that penalty, Atalanta, I think, had a non-penalty XG of about 0.25, yeah. which is nothing. So that, that kind of shows. Uh, and from Milan's point of view, um, I think that we have to praise them for their defending because we've been very critical of defending because, well... <laughs> well, they have. They, I mean, they've conceded, they conceded so many goals. <laughs> and, and, and obviously, the last two games, they conceded three to Ren and then four to Monza, so yeah. seven in two. They were really, really good defensively in this game. Not just the defense, but uh, I thought Adley was really was like Adley. My criticism of Adley has been this season, like you know, he is obviously isn't naturally a defensive midfielder, mm. uh, and and he you know plugging in the gaps, filling in those holes, making the challenges. I, I actually think in this game, it's only one game. I actually think he was actually very good in this game uh, in that in that in that aspect. So that was a big positive, I think, for Milan. Um, I thought that yeah, I thought that, that they were. I thought that they were good in in this game. I don't want to say outstanding, but they no, they, they were they, good. I thought Milan were good. were good. They controlled they were mature. the game. They were mature. Yes, in this game. it was a mature mature performance. And and let's remember, it's a young Milan team. It's still work in progress, um, and and they're improving. I tell you, who um, wasn't mature though, Nima. This is becoming mm, yeah. a real, really, really big concern now, and that is generally Kuskamaka. He who didn't start. I mean, he's now we can say for certain that he's he's now a sub. For, for yeah. Atalanta, he's a yeah. sub player. He doesn't he doesn't start anymore. He's not he's not a first team player. Even when he's fit, fully fit, he's not first team player now. In this game, uh, De Ketele and uh, and Miranchuk started in this match, and uh, he came on uh, as a sub in the second half. And no exaggeration, he lost everything. He lost every single ball. And if you want anything to sum up where Shkamaka is now in his career, have a look in around about the 89th, 90th minute. The ball gets played out. Rare attack from Atalanta where they actually have like a, 
uh, like a two-on-two. And he gets the ball on the right. He's one on one with the Milan defender on the on the on the last Milan defender on this just to the right. I can't remember which Milan defender it was, but oh, the way that he was just brushed, he just lost the ball, he brushed off the ball, showed no me. pace, didn't even run after it. He looked like a like a fifty five year old. Mm. That he, he looks he looks confused. He looks out of form. He looks confused. He doesn't know what he's unfit. supposed to do. He looks unfit, which is also a concern. Um, I think it was a mistake when he went to Atalanta, and, and I think so far I've been vindicated in that opinion. I think it was the wrong decision. It was the wrong move for him. Um, and, and I think he should, you know, uh, you know, is the jury still out? You don't want to say too much. But uh, for me, it's he shouldn't have gone there. He really shouldn't have gone there. Um, and because I don't think that the way that Gasparini plays. Um, but if Gasparini can't get, can't make Schumacher, we know what Schumacher's issues is. I've been saying them for a long time. You know, he, he doesn't have, he doesn't move. His movement's not good enough for modern football. And he, he, he's, he, he doesn't run. Uh, well, then and, don't buy and, him and, in and, that system. Like, it's just, it's a dumb well, transfer. Well, I think that if you can't do that, you're not going to make it in modern football. I'm sorry, you're not. You don't well, make Olivier it. Giroud don't... is doing pretty good job in Milan, and he's not exactly running around like moving too much. But but <laughs> Giroud is intelligent, and Schumacher doesn't have game intelligence either, and that I think that is a, an issue. Uh, that is a big mm, issue as well. He I'm doesn't not... have game intelligence. He doesn't know where to move. You know, yes, he doesn't have that intensity in the running, which neither Giroud has at his age. Yeah. But he has game intelligence. He knows where to move, what where to, what position to get the ball, where to, to get into so he can lay it off and then and then get into the box, make his runs. He knows how to make runs into the box. He knows where to be. Schemacher's game intelligence is he 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 has no game intelligence. I think he all. does have game intelligence. I just don't think I think his he he's made so many bad career choices now. That that is, I'd say, his off-field intelligence is the biggest issue. Going to West Ham and being caught. I think when he gets the ball at his feet, season. he has intelligence. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like with the bullets, but he doesn't have any after, position. He has no positional intelligence. He has after, no, that's what I mean. No well, yeah, positional that's intelligence. Fair, but I, I think he has it. I just think he's confused because after being abused by David Moyes in East London for a year, which is a stupid career decision. Well, that was then, that was insane. And, and then returning, yeah. and then returning to Italy with Gasparini, another stupid uh, career decision. Um, is is what's hurting him, and it's a point. It's a moment in his career where he needs to be in a system where he can express the, the, his his strengths and develop them. Because he's not the finished product. Again, he's not the finished developed player, but he does have some really really interesting tools in his kit uh, toolbox to 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 that are unique for him. And I think he should leave Atalanta. I really hope he leaves Atalanta. I don't know summer. who takes him though. Who the hell will take? Him I think that if Milan are looking for a number nine, really, I'm and not- if Milan are going to get money for the Ketteler, you know, you can work something out there uh, with a, a plus Valenza deal that makes everyone happy. And do you ta- do you fans. take him as your as your as your do you do you bet? On Gianluca Schiamacca with everything we've seen in the last two seasons, I think so. I think the way that Milan have with uh, can he do what Giroud does at at uh, Milan uh, in hold up play and link up play? Yes, I do think he can. Uh, is he as good aerial as Giroud? Of course, he's not. Uh, Giroud, I just think Giroud. it's a big gamble for Milan to bank on to, to to try and bank on on Giroud as as the replacement successor to Giroud after everything yeah. we've seen in the last two years. I think it's a huge. It gamble. is a gamble. There's no doubt. I don't, about I don't, that. I don't think Milan thing. gamble like that. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I mean, look, the Euros are coming up. I mean, um, uh, Spalletti has to make name his squad soon, like in the yeah. next week or so, yeah. two weeks for the for the for the March friendlies. I mean, do you call up Skimaka? right now? You don't. Right now you don't, and I love Skamaka, but right now you don't. 
It's mm. simple as that. You don't. But, but if you want to play a three-five-two, and also have the option of playing a four-three-three, there is no other striker that is more suitable to to both of those formations than Skamaka tactically, whether with bad form or not. Um, and 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 I think it's it's uh, you know you're 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 forced to deal. It's a short tournament. Um, if if Antonio Conte can make Graziano Pelle work, I'm sure Sk- Spalletti can make uh, Gianluca Scamacca work. Um, but right now on form, he doesn't get anywhere near the Italy squad. No, there's no well, doubt. I'll tell you that. one striker that Italy would love to have is Joshua mm. Zilksi, who um, oh, who, who helps Bologna uh, win uh, a fifth game in a row, two 0 against Verona. Um, so Bologna are now fourth and it's now looking more and more likely they're going to be in the Champions League next yeah, season, they isn't are. it? They are. They are. I, I think they are. I the, to, to bounce back after that dip in form with five wins in a row. And one thing that they haven't done this season is score a lot. They've conceded very little. They're one of the best teams in the Serie A for goals conceded. They're actually the best. Bologna are the best home team in the Serie A for results, for wins and draws and points. Um, but uh, now it's like he's kind of unleashing their attacking ability and the central part, the central person of that of the attack is Joshua Zirkse, whose who's first touch belongs, it should be, should be framed and hung in the Louvre next to the Mona Lisa. I mean, the way that he moves his body, shifts his weight, the ball dies on his foot when, no matter how hard it's kicked at him, um, his his passing, his link up, his vision, his his ability to cover the ball, it reminds me of a young Zlatan Ibrahimovic. That this the the, the kind of the, the 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 way that he holds up the ball, links up, um, the way that the, the technical ability he has, his first touch. These dribbles, these—he's—he's got ballerina feet. He's not as big. I mean, physically, of course, he's more stocky and not as big as Latan. Was a tall, lanky guy, but but they do the the way they move on the pitch uh, and the way that they're used and and the way that they express their 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 talents in 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 the in the final third in the build up phase. He really reminds me of a young Ibra. Uh, It's it's truly truly unbelievable what he does and. He's yeah. He, he, well, makes like you said, the, Bologna, he makes the players around him better. Too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He absolutely does the way that he brings the way that he brings everyone else in. And he ties he ties everything together. Yeah, he does. For, for, for he Bologna. makes his teammates better. He does. And that's what I. And think they are scoring goals now. That was that was my concern. Um, I think I said it maybe about a month or so ago, two months ago, that you know whether Bologna could keep this up for a Champions League push, and I, I didn't think that they had enough of a a goal scoring threat mm. that they would be games that they would draw nil nil that they wouldn't you know that they would drop points that way and now here they are they've scored 16 goals in their last six games I mean that they're scoring for fun and they are in a position now they're in fourth and they are seven points ahead of, of ahead of well they're seven points ahead of sixth place because the way that as I as I just explained in my reaction pod on Friday to the Europa League game, so go back and listen to that. I explain how next season it's looking increasingly likely, and again, I don't want to jinx it. It's looking increasingly likely that Serie A is going to get a fifth spot in the Champions League. It's ninety percent certain now statistically that Serie A will get that fifth spot. It's looking, yeah. I don't want to jinx it, but it's oh, looking, stop. it's looking, <laughs> it's looking increasingly likely. Um, you know that we're going to get that fifth spot. So that means five Champions League spots in Serie A get the Champions League place, 
And um, they are seven points ahead of Roma in six. Roma do have a game in hand, but it's actually, we're recording this on Monday, it's actually a very tough game. It's Torino on... Uh, on, on um, and there's a very funny story which has made it to the Serie A of the week segment about that. When we yeah, talk about we'll that. get to that. Yeah, we will get to that. Hilarious. Um, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, it's a brilliant story. But, um, but yeah, so it's looking good for Bologna. I think that... We will know after the next two games, I think, whether Bologna are going to get a Champions League or because their next two games are Atalanta away and then Inter at home. Mm. If Bologna come out of those two games with, let's say, four points, yeah. then I think it's it's a guarantee because then they have a nice a nice run of fixtures against against teams more towards the bottom. Uh, and then it's we're we're pushing on towards the last games of the season. So it's it's um yeah, I think in the next, uh, we'll know in the next two or three weeks whether Bologna are going to get a Champions League spot. Um, but, but yeah, they look, they were great. Um, Giovanni Fabian, I want to give a shout out to him. He was fantastic in this game. He got a goal and an assist and he's having a really good 2024 and he's yet another player that Thiago Motta is doing great things with. And Thiago Four. Motta is developing so many fantastic young players at, at Bologna. Four goals, two assists in the Serie A in 17 games and... Uh, and, and he's only had eight starts, Fabian. So it's a breakthrough season. And and that's the thing about Bologna. They have so many players, young players, who are having breakthrough seasons. Um, and that's what's so impressive with what Thiago Motta has done. If you look at those players and, you know, Sartori has built... I mean, he is just unbelievable as a sporting director to, you know, first what he did with Atalanta and now what he's doing at Bologna um, and, and just putting these players together with a shoestring budget and and then of course Tiago Motta developing these talents and and getting them to take that next step uh, and they still you know it's so funny because Jesper Carlson was supposed to be their big marquee signing mm. in the summers and he's not getting a kick because the others are just so much better I mean wait until he starts kicking into gear because that's a crazy potential there as well. Um, yeah, so he no, even existed. It's, yeah. <laughs> just no, it's, it's, no it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's like, you know, Joshua Zixel last season had his Gavetta year, if you want. And now it's it seems that it's Jesper Carlson's year in Bologna. I, I really hope, I really hope, if Bologna make it to the Champions League, I really hope with that kind of money, and it's the prize money will increase, that it allows Bologna not to have to make a big, big sell, big sale in the summer. That they can keep Joshua Zirkse, that they can keep Tiago Motta as well. I want to see what this Bologna can do. The only thing I want them to do in the summer is to sign an actual proper, proper top class goalkeeper or someone talented enough to take over from Skorupski, who is just a liability at times in the air. And we saw that against Hellas Verona as well. Um, because it would be very interesting to see that's the next step for Thiago Motta. How does he handle playing three games a week, and how does he do so whilst playing in the Champions League? Yeah. So I'd love nice. to. See, I hope they can keep all of these guys together because it is a, one of the most exciting youth projects in all of Europe, um, and 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 coaching careers as well. It's exciting. Motta needs to stay as well because I think that's what I mean. That's what everyone keep he, everyone. He's the key. Keep yeah. everyone, please, please keep everyone. Yeah. Uh, We're talking about the fare la gavetta, which means mm. uh, to, to to kind of break through or to rise, doesn't it? Um, mm. Napoli are definitely not. Um, <laughs> they're definitely not <laughs> they're rising they're, they're at the sinking. moment. Yeah, they're sinking. I mean, it's 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 a disastrous season, um, which is going from bad to worse. And we thought that, well, we hoped that, that it's still early. I mean, he's hardly had any time with them. But Francesco Calzona came in uh, as a caretaker manager until the end of the season. 
when Walter Mazzari was sacked on the eve of the Barcelona game last week. Uh, Napoli drew 1-1 in that game in the first leg of the Champions League last 16 on on Tuesday. Was it Tuesday or Wednesday? I can't even remember what day it was now, but in the midweek. Wednesday. Wednesday. Uh, and then they played, uh, he had his debut in the Serie A away at, at, at Cagliari. And um, Napoli conceded a 94th minute equaliser, the most shocking defending pub league, Sunday league defending from from, from well, the whole defence, but Juan Jesus, just a long ball, misjudges the bounce and then Lavumbu gets in front of him and and, and equalises. And uh, the game finishes 1-1 and um, it's um, not been a, an ideal start, has it, for, for Katsun? I think it's probably occurring to him just how much of a, a job he has on his hands here. I just hope Napoli can get through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. That's the, that's the only thing Napoli have left to play for. This this season is a write-off. Um, Ossiman is going to leave in the summer. We know that. Uh, they need to bring in a proper sporting director um, and build from scratch. You need to bring an A sports director in. <laughs> yes, that would be nice. Uh, <laughs> instead of the guy who's there right now, his name eludes me, who is not uh, Meluso, I think his name is. He's not very doing very well. But, um, or he isn't. He's just basically doing what he's told from by our De Laurentiis. Uh, they, they need to do that. Um, Medusa. <laughs> no, Meluso. I, think I know, I know. I'm joking. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's. Uh, I. I I know the goal would have uh, wouldn't have stood because it was offside, but Osimhen missing that sitter from two yards out hitting the post like that's just that's just Napoli right now for me. They just they just look like a complete shambolic, confused, the, the disjointed, and it's not Calzona's fault. It's Aurelio De Laurenti's fault. If you gave me as a university uh, essay like exercise here. In, if you given to me in May 2023, after the Scudetto was won, I want you to screw up Napoli as much as you can. Here's two weeks, 2,000 word essay, what would you do? I don't think I would have, even if I tried, be able to mess things up as badly as De Laurentiis has done these eight, nine months. It has just been one catastrophic decision after another, one big catastrophic decision after another to lead to this point. Now, we know that Naples is a special place um, in the sense that if you win in Naples, you're as close to what a human being can be, a deity and a god on this earth, as it is humanly possible. That that Scudetto party is still going on. That's just, that's just a neighbor of Naples. It's, it's the city that never does anything in moderation in a country that doesn't do anything in moderation, both good and bad. So it's... That's that's all. That was always going to happen. There was always going to be a drop off because that's just the nature of Napoli and Naples. But this is something else, and I and it I is, think it's now historically the the, the uh, worst title defense in Serie A history in all and, in in the entirety of uh, of of Serie. And they had everything there to not be able to to, to actually avoid this and and finish comfortably. It's in the, the biggest drop off in points between one season and the next ever. Is mad. It's absolutely mad. And I wonder now, it's just looking, it's just looking like the season's over. I well, mean, it is. I mean they're, they're in ninth just... position and they are 11 points off, off fourth place. And if we assume there's going to be five Champions League places, there's still nine points off Atalanta, having played the same number of games. 
in uh, in fifth and there's 13 games left i mean it's just it's just not going to happen it's not going to happen you're not you're, you're no, not making not happen. you're I not making think... that number of points and, i mean and, that, napoli and, would have to win every game basically yeah, and and, not and the others that. and the others slip up and they're not yeah. and they're not going to put they're not going to no, gonna no put. it's not going to happen and, and i think in this situation our patron art morelli and i were talking in and on twitter and spaces and he was like look we're not going to reach the champions league because he's a napoli fan so punt the league because i'd rather not play in europe altogether than to play in the Europa League or worse, the Conference League in a season where you're trying to a foundation year uh, season, and and I agree with that. I think not playing in the Conference League was not a punishment on Juve. It was a it was a gift. It was a it was, it was a fantastic gift they got. So I think Napoli should probably look to avoid Europe altogether and and then start making some really really difficult decisions and choices, but do what they did when they built this incredible dynasty under De Laurentiis, and that is make these put a put a put something in place, a structure in place to be able to build long-term and sustainable model uh, going forward, which is they were outstanding in doing. I think they need to get back to basics. Napoli as a club need to get back to basics. And I hope that those basics do not include Vincenzo Italiano. It would be this obsession De Laurenti seems to have with Vincenzo Italiano is unhealthy for him, but more importantly, it's unhealthy for Napoli. I mean, if there's anything we can take from this game is that Napoli dominated possession. I think they had over 70%, three times the number of passes that Cagliari had. So it, it's clearly Calzona's trying to do a move back towards spalletti Sari yeah, football, yeah, who Calzona yeah. worked with in terms mm. of kind of control of the play and the, and the philosophy. They didn't create that much, though, um, other than the, those Ossiman, uh, the goal, and 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 also there was the there was a couple of 90th minute chances on the break, Politano and Simeone, in which they should have killed the game, and, that, and obviously those also proved costly. But I mean, if you look at the game over a whole, yeah, I, I thought it was a better Napoli, but you also got to look at the level of the opposition and Cagliariara. No offense, they're, they're an abysmal team. And who have who offer virtually no threat at all. There's never, almost never, any threat that Cagliari are going to create anything unless you do something like you do at the end, where you just you can't even defend a, a high ball from from a punt up the pitch. Um, I mean, it was just 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 unbelievable that defending mm. uh, at the end and it come out of nowhere as well. So um, yeah, it's frustrating if you're a Napoli fan. It's very frustrating because we're in February now and there's nothing to play for. I mean, yes, okay, there's the second leg of the. Of the Champions, no, the, the Champions League, League which, which I mean, win. I don't give them much chance of going through, but you know, you don't, no, you, do. ne- you never know, true. you never know. The problem is, though, if they do go through, I, I think they're going to go out the next round straight away. So it's, it's they're not going to win at the Champions League, put it that way. So it's like no, there is, the there is time, nothing to play for now. No, but at the same time, Napoli's his, in Napoli's history, they've only once before been in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, and that would be a huge boost for them. And and I think it's that 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 needs to happen. And I don't think Barcelona are a very good side either. I think they're a mess defensively, and we saw that in the first leg, and we've seen it all through this season. And I think there are holes to to. Um, yeah, well, we'll see. Of. We'll see what Calzona can do in the next fortnight, and whether he can get them improving. Um, and if that's possible, that they do that, then that, that is possible because Barcelona are very beatable. But uh, they just, are. This is I not just a think, good Barcelona. Uh, that this Napoli team is so so bad that it's, it's hard to see them uh, getting a result against anyone. They they can't get a result against against even teams like Cagliari or Verona right now. Um, 
Talking about they got Yuval next, don't they? At home, they do. Yeah, they do. Mm. They do. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so let's move to the top of the table now. Lecce, Inter, four um, 0 to, to Inter, and they rest virtually their entire team. And they wrote, they, they only had three first teamers um, starting. It didn't matter. They win four nil. Um, Ten wins in a row. Not dropped a point, single point in twenty twenty four. They're the best performing team in Europe by a mile. Um, 12 goals in the last three Serie A games, seven clean sheets in the last day. I mean, both ends of the field, they are insane. They've scored the most in Serie A by a mile. They've conceded the least by a mile, seven less than the, the second best defence in Serie A. Lautaro now has 100 Serie A goals, two goals. Um, I mean, Inter can do no wrong, Nima, right now. Equaling Juventus's record of the best start by an Italian team to the calendar year, ten wins in a row across three competitions, seven clean sheets and lost eight. It's just no. Nah, they, they, he, he's, his, his. Simone Inzaghi has built a macchina da guerra, uh, and it's just now. I think we can say that now. It's the end of February. A war machine. Yeah. Yeah, war machine. I mean, we can say that now. It's the end of February. Inter's annual winter depression was cancelled this year. It was depressed. The winter depression was depressed. Uh, there's no, there, it doesn't exist because when it matters the most, this is when, when you lay the groundwork to win the Serie A or the, and, and that's in January, February, and Inter put in an extra gear. And that's what I think the biggest difference this year is to other years with an under Inzaghi is that that maturity to behave like a big team. Um, both the manager, the players, they have an extra gear to put in. You saw that against Lecce as well. In the first half, very scrappy game. Uh, there wasn't any rhythm. It was an annoying game to watch. Uh, and that usually, those kinds of games usually benefits the weaker side. Now, l- what what is interesting with it, with Inter is that when you don't punish them, like Lecce had a fantastic chance in the beginning of the second half where the first five minutes of the second half, Inter weren't on the pitch. They were daydreaming, sleepwalking. And Lecce missed that chance. Two minutes later, Inter doubled their lead. And then a few minutes minute after that, it's 3-0 good night. And that is the hallmark of a great team, that if you don't punish them, they ruthlessly punish you and pull the rug under your feet. Um, and, and they do this time and time and time again. Uh, they've Inter have only trailed in the Serie A so far this season. number of minutes they've been chasing... Uh, a game numerically is thirty-eight minutes. No way. I mean, what is that in 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 ty- that's combined like the whole season, like yeah, the, all total, the minutes, num- in the whole game. Total number of minutes that Inter have been chasing a game, or just been, in the Serie A. That is just in the Serie A. Thirty-eight minutes they've been down by a goal in the Serie A. We're we're on match day twenty-five. They've won twenty-one out of twenty-five games. It's it's becoming one of those incredible. The Sassuolo game. How how did the how many minutes in that game were, were you down by? Well, they they lost it, didn't they? I'm trying to remember that when the goals yeah. went in in that game. But yeah, mm. that's an insane mm. stat. That is mental. Sky Sport put it out yesterday. It's just they they are just it's unbelievable. And they haven't conceded. And there's the other mad stat where they haven't conceded in the last. Was it last twenty minutes of a game or, or something yeah, like that? The last fifteen minutes in the city, yeah, they haven't conceded a goal in the last fifteen minutes, and that's that's the business end of the game. Again, the maturity of a big team. What Inzaghi's done is 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 truly they are they are all on the same page. This is truly is is a masterclass by him, and he 
you know, he's being now the, 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 the EPL tacticos on Twitter have discovered him and are, are <laughs> we'll get to them later. Don't you worry. And we're, and we're, I don't know whether that's a good thing though. It's a bad thing because it annoys me because he's only, I, I don't like, I want him to, to give him a proper contract extension. Enough of this nonsense of one year, one year, one year, give him in the summer, a two year contract extension on top of the year he's got left. That's three more years. And then let him have these six years. Um, afterwards, six years is a lot in football. If the results continue to go well, let him finish the project. Um, or, or and, and then part ways with him after six years, because that's a long time in football, right? Mm. But it's, you know, but, but they need to do that because the football he plays, you know what I've said about him for many years. I think of all the Italian coaches out there, I think he's the most adapted to doing well and I, in the Can I just say one other in thing? The Premier you? League, even more so than yeah. De Zerbi, because he can, his football is is solid on both ends of the pitch mm. and it's a possession style based. It's not... Now he, your... can play in, he can play in different ways as well, but he's yeah. definitely grown in Zaghi because I, I'm... Uh, you know me, I love watching the, the kind of the, the patterns of play in games and seeing how teams build and how they get out and their positional play on the pitch. I, I, I find that fascinating. That's one thing I love about Thiago Motta. Um, at Bologna, that this is one area that Inzaghi has developed so much. Some of the patterns of play that, in, that Inter are putting together under Inzaghi to to get out of just to play out of defence for starters, mm. playing from from goal kicks, playing from playing out from the corner of the pitch when teams are pressing them, and 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 just the way that they they position their players and where they move and where and how players. Uh, move total football type of play in terms of players positional move, change. Pl- positional changes swapping with other positions. Barella moving to the right back role. I saw I saw one move uh, um, a, a few games ago where a Cherby was moving into centre midfield. A Cherby out of all the players. Stefan de Frey found into... himself against Lecce in the Francesco Totti yes, role. He did. Yeah. I mean, it's the, this is this is what I mean about where people talk about the Zerbi being a tactical genius and this guy being a tactical genius and the other. Well, no, but this sure. is where, this, but that's exactly where he is a genius, is ever. He does these kind of things. But I'm seeing, I'm seeing in Zaghi. Well, in Zaghi's been Zaghi's, doing it for two seasons. Well, no, well, not not to Deserbi's level, but the, the, I'm seeing in Zaghi do things like like that. This season, I've seen a, a massive, a huge growth in that in that area of, of things. I think he's been doing it he's for two expanded. seasons. He's taken it to another level now. This, this the thing is, the thing that the players are executing it. Things are, the, the, you know, football is organic. You need everyone to 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 enjoy and 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 be happy in that environment and in the tactics of it as well. Last season, there was a it didn't it was glitching. This season, it's not glitching at all. And and that's the difference that it's actually working. There's a psychological and mature maturity element to it as well. But the go look at his Lazio side. He 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 would do these things as well. It's just that he's 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 been overlooked uh, for for many many years. I think the with I I don't think Thiago Motta has that in his locker at all. I don't think he's shown it at Bologna. Um, I think he's shown something else. I think he's he, for me he's been more of a big club manager in the sense that grinding out results and, and no, I disagree and, with and that getting, completely I, getting, I've, uh, I've been watching Bologna and their positional play the way that they position their players to, to play out 
I think is fantastic. It's good, but it's it is good, but it's, well, he's not going to be like Inter that. because he hasn't got the players to do what what Inter do in that sense. But he's he, their positional play motto is is uh, that for me. That's I don't think it's revolutionary football at all. I mean, you it's it's not it's not like the, this kind of this kind of you know Stefan de Frey in the Totti position. That that's 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 something new. I've not seen anyone do that or or the way that they interpret. it. I don't see Thiago Motta doing that. But what I what I have seen with with Thiago Motta do is that he. You know, he he builds a foundation, a, a, st- a safe structure, and also he's also a coach that they're kind of to a certain extent. Well, Zaghi's further along in his career, but Thiago Motta is still kind of in the build-up phase of his career, isn't he? I mean, he's had like what eight really fantastic months on top of a good season last season. So I think we, we need to wait wait and see. But I haven't seen anything like genius, revolutionary from Motta. I can understand if you say that about the Zerbi because that's just that's mental. Some of the movement patterns, it's it's really crazy. Um, but but Inzaghi's been doing it for many many years since Lazio. Go watch his Lazio side in 2017, 18, 9. You know what who, that, that game against Sarri's Juve when they win. Just just go watch how how Lazio take on that game. Uh, he, he is unbelievable. And and he has been for a long time. Just just a couple other points on on. on and him. I honestly think if Inter just to finish on the Inzaghi thing, he needs they need to extend because he will he is I know he doesn't speak English and he doesn't want to leave Italy. It doesn't seem like it, thank God. But I honestly think his football of all the Italian managers out there, I think he's the most adapted to the Premier League in this era than than, than any of them. Um, and if I just as an Interista, I do not that that's what scares me. Give him a proper contract extension. Make sure he's happy so that he stays. My nightmare is Liverpool fumble on De Zerbi and Chabi Alonso and go after this guy. Like, that would scare the crap out of me. Yeah, no, they should definitely tie him down because um, he's very special. Um, two other just quick points on, on Inter. First of all, Fratesi, goal and assist, uh, showed kind of his how good he is with his late runs on, on both, actually, mm. on, both those, on both those incidents. Uh, and also Lautaro, two goals. I want to see this level. I mean, the first goal was a lethal finish. I want to see this level of finishing in the Champions League now because yeah. he missed two sitters against yeah. Atletico Madrid, which we hope won't end up being... I mean, I thought his all-round performance against Atletico Madrid was, was brilliant, but yeah, his agreed. finishing, his finishing... In fact, there was three chances, really, but two yeah. of them at least were sitters. Uh, and this is, this is where, you know, we talk about Lautaro being, you know, one of the best in the world, this is the only thing that, that is still missing. It's the final step. It's the final final step step. is, is, is being, having that, that lethal nature in the, in the, in the Champions League. And it's still lacking in the Champions League. Yeah. He can't, you cannot miss those chances that he missed against Atletico. The killer instinct They can come back to bite you. you They really can. They really can. And he has got it. I think it's a mental issue. I think it's a mental, I think think it's a mental issue that it's like, this is a Champions League game. I've got to put it away. And then we saw with the panic first finish, which was an awful finish where he kind of, where he kind of like scuffed it, it wasn't even going in before yeah, the block yeah. came in. That, that's what he does. That's what he used to do in the Serie A, but that, that's all gone now. He needs mm. to go in with the same mentality into the Champions League that he does in the Serie A. <clears throat> the relaxed, you know, relax his body, relax his, 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 his mental state and, and go into those chances. And look, Salernitana, Atletico Madrid, same thing. Like that's the attitude he needs to Absolutely. have. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, mean, and it's, uh, but that's the, that's the final step because that's the only thing he's missing. Once he starts doing that in the Champions League and he continues to play like that, well, he's going to be. Yeah, he's going to be a Ballon d'Or contender. Ballon d'Or yeah. contender, yeah. yeah There's no doubt sure. about that. Yeah, he's well, he's had the best scoring level. season now of his career, yeah. I believe, and he's still in, yeah. we're still in February. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. 
just the Champions League left now for, for, for Lautaro. Right, let's move on to Juventus now. Um, well, I've got a lot to say today. Oh because, yes, I'm sure you do. Because, I'm sure uh, you do. because I missed the last show, um, obviously, because <laughs> I was ill and I had a lot to say. Uh, so last you're going to make up for the Allegri so thing. I'm going to make up. going to be for two it. sessions of Allegri yes, hating in it one. Is, it it's is. Buy one, get one free. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Going to get your 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 value for this, uh, like like Allegri gets his value for, oh, his, for his for his nine million a year salary, uh, right? Oh. So, well, anyway, look, let's start off with the positives. This was a a must win game for Juventus, and they win three two, ninety fifth minute from uh, Lugani to barely, a barely deserved win, really. Um, but it was crucial. It's absolutely crucial if we look at the bottom line. Juventus are. In crisis, they're plummeting. I mean, Udinese, uh, Empoli, Verona, they'd only taken two points from that, obviously lost to Inter. Terrible, terrible run of form. Um, you then don't win this game as well. And with Bologna and Atalanta in such fantastic form um, and a really hard run of games coming up that Juventus have now. Napoli away, Atalanta, Genoa, Lazio away, Fiorentina, Torino um, away. You know, the, the fixtures are, are, are much, much more difficult now coming up for, for Juventus compared to this, this what should have been a really easy run of fixtures, uh, uh, the inter-game aside. These are games that Juventus should have been, you know, winning uh, and being still in a title race. And they've, they've completely been a disaster. So if they didn't win this game, then they are... It's not an exaggeration to say Juventus are looking over their shoulder, even at even at a Champions League place, you know, because they are plummeting. They are plummeting. Um, so it was vital <laughs> that they won this game, uh, and they and they did. So that's the positive. The other positive, I <laughs> guess, Dusan, Dusan Vlaovic scored two. The positive he, is Allegri woke up and he didn't burn his breakfast. <laughs> that's the level you're going on with, is it? Well, the, le- the level that we're going on is. I missed last week's show. Let's look at this. Let's look at this over the last this period of, of bad form. The myth has been destroyed that Juventus are progressing this season during this during this period. The idea that the idea that Juventus were really building something that they were progressing. <laughs> the idea that 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 if not this season that they could win or challenge him for the Scudetto, which was laughable and which which I've always laughed at throughout this throughout it. That they certainly were building something to challenge for next season under Allegri. Uh, I mean, that's all been shown to be completely laughable. That there is no progress in how Juventus are playing still, um, and even the results come the end of the season, the total points tally is not going to be much advanced, if at all, even of the Pirlo season. The way that 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 because of these these bad results in the last week. I'm not even convinced right now that Juventus are going to pass 80 points. They're currently on 57 with 12 games left. Um, the last three seasons, Juventus got 78 points under Pirlo. They got 78 under Pirlo. Allegri's first season, Juventus got 70 points. Allegri's second season, Juventus got 72 points. That was before the 10-point seduction, which took it down to 62. But on the pitch, they got 72, 72 points. Uh, and this season, I'm not. I'm not convinced that they're even gonna. You know, the way that Juventus are now playing again, and given this run of form, and given that there's there's a much tougher run of fixtures coming up now, because they've had their easy run of games now. Now it gets tougher. 
I'm not convinced that, that Juventus are even going to be, beat 80 points and, and they may not even beat that Tierlo season. So the, 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 the myth has been destroyed that Juventus are progressing this season. And this is all whilst playing once a week. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been bad. It's been really, really bad the last weeks from Juventus. They're out of form. They, uh, like I said, for me, the loss against Inter was they, they ran out of steam after that. Um, you could see signs of them not being mentally ready to handle uh, before the Inter game uh, when they dropped points. Um, but it's uh, th- it was starting to show. But I, I think, look, depends on your expectation. My expectation was that Juventus were going to try to were going to challenge for the Scudetto for for a period of time this season. And they did. They were what? They were top of the league with after game match day 20. That's by, by definition, that's challenging for the Scudetto. They just ran out of steam. Um, I don't think, I think this play, these players are not players who have won, who are used to winning a lot. Um, I think it's, it's a foundation year for Juve as a club altogether. And I think it's what, what he's done is, is provide a stability uh, a foundation from which others can build on. Because as I've said all along, I think this is his last year. I think he will leave in the summer. I don't see Juventus giving him a contract extension at those wages. I don't think they can afford to. And I don't think the, that Juntoli will want to uh, either. Um, I think they will just basically at the end of this season say thank you and move on. And Allegri will, will either step up into the boardroom uh, or or go somewhere else because uh, I still think they're going to win the Coppa Italia. I still think they're going to finish second or third comfortably. Um, Pirlo's points tally notwithstanding. I think they'll they're they're I think somewhere around between seventy five and eighty is where they're way where where they will end up, and I think that's enough to finish comfortably in the top three. And I think that's what you can ask of this Juve. Now, whether or not you know. What you're saying in terms of the progress for me, that's progression. That is a step in the right direction. Is it enough? Can have different opinions on that. If it's enough, uh, you don't think that's that that it is, and fine, that's fair enough. I think if you look at what Juventus have gone through the last four or five years, where they were in terms of the makeup of the squad, financially, off the pitch, and off the pitch antics, <clears throat> and and cleaning up the mess that Paratici left, was was always going to take time. And if Juve are back in the Champions League uh, with a new coach and and putting things in place with younger players, which Juve seem to be doing, they're building around youth, that has to be able to take time. It has to be able to to, to, to take the time it needs to for them to return. My my thing is the question I want to ask is is does do they continue to do so with Federico Chiesa or not? I think that is the main question. For me, it's almost certain that Allegri will leave. Um, well, I want to come on to Cage in a bit. Just, just want to, just to continue on the Allegri. Hating on Allegri a little bit more. Well, actually, <laughs> well, actually, I am going to talk about Allegri hate because I want to ask you, uh, <laughs> as an Allegri disciple, um, has the Allegri hate gone too far? Now, over the mm. last weeks, especially after when we didn't do the show last Monday, but that the hate was 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 on social media mm. i mean it was very very strong i mean a fortnight ago some fans even paid to put a video message on times square 
screen in, York, in, yeah. in New York City calling for, for Max Allegri to be to be sacked. And there was real vitriol towards Allegri on social media. And I, I even saw the director of Tuto Tuto Sport calling it disgusting that, that, that some of the level of of the of of the hate towards Allegri with Juventus. And we know that the vast, vast majority of Juventus fans want Allegri gone. But has the has it gone too far? Because you know we've seen we've seen with with you know if you take Roy Hodgson, I mean, I think that was a lot down to Crystal Palace. But if you see with Roy Hodgson, I'm not saying this is that's what put him in hospital, but we saw we've seen with Crystal Palace fans that the hate towards Hodgson at Crystal Palace that they wanted him out so badly all season that it can, you know. I, I mean, I know I know Allegri can handle it because I know that there's one thing about Allegri: he's very strong. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't. He's very good with he the media. Doesn't give he doesn't. A he shit. doesn't care at all. But has. <laughs> but if we're just talking about this, just in terms of you know, uh, just in general. Like the way that fans express themselves towards, you know, when they don't want a manager, when they want a manager gone. Like, are Juventus fans expressing themselves well, in the right way? Depends. Like, has the hate it, gone too far? Like, what, what's your thoughts on that? Depends on what which Juventus fans you're asking. The Curva supports him. It's the, I mean, there's a clear split in the Juventus fan base that I've noticed that the ultras like Allegri, but other sections of the stadium does not. And a lot of it is also social media noise. Um, people who who online behind anonymous nicknames share all sorts of stuff. Some of it is banter and funny. Some of it goes over the line at times. And that's up to people how they want to, you know, it's not my place to... I don't, I don't, anything. I don't, I don't value the ultras at all when it comes to when no, it comes because no, they, they have their, 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 no, I get that. their, their, their support their is political and, yeah, and it, it has an agenda. One hundred percent, one hundred percent, it does. But there is, there is. If you take the rest Juventus. of the events, I mean, they, you could barely, they could barely even feel out the state. I know there was other political reasons for that as well, but you know, yeah. fans didn't want. No, to what I'm saying is that yeah. there is a clear, there is a clear disconnect. Yeah. There is a divide in the Juventus fan base, uh, those who like him and those who hate him. Um, and I think he would love that as well. I think the very idea that he divides people is something that he absolutely loves um, because it he's a focus. troll. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, he's, well, he's also the kind of guy who likes when the focus is on him and not the team. I mean, he, he knows how he prefers doing that. There are different ways of doing that. Mourinho does it to a certain extent as well. Mm. Uh, he protects his players that way. Um, but it's, um, I don't, I mean, has it gone too far or not? I mean, look, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't, that shocked by the video message on Times Square in New York, I, I laughed when I saw that. I thought it was a, yeah. v- a bit ridiculous. And it was up for like a second as well. Yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. I thought it was a little bit. I mean, hysterical. it's hardly. Yeah, I thought it was hysterical and very, very. It, it was a bit exaggerated, very exaggerated and childish. But that's okay. It doesn't need to be mature and like it's it's okay. Whatever they they just said Allegri out, and I thought it was funny, and it was a bit of a. I didn't. I, I wasn't offended by it, or thought it was over the top. But I do think that the the criticism towards him generally, and the you can even see it amongst the Italian punditry, where like like Daniel Adani, for example, would like I said, if if Max Allegri invented the cure for cancer, Adani would come out and criticize him for not inventing the cure for HIV. Like that. That's the level, and I and I find that really reductive and pointless. Um, to, to, to have that kind of like agendas, you know, it, it, it's, it's pointless. It's ridiculous. It's, it's childish and meaningless for me when people have that kind of approach, you know, you don't need to like certain football. I, for example, despise Pep Guardiola's football. That's personal taste, right? I think it's, I think it's, I, I hate it, 
but I would be an idiot. And if I weren't, if I could not acknowledge what he has meant to world football, how he has developed football, and there is a football before and after Guardiola tactically, right? The, you know, taste is one thing and then objective facts are another. Um, Allegri is one of the greatest Italian coaches of all time. His CV merits it. He's, he's shown that he does it. He's been incredibly, he's incredibly underrated. He is a legend of Italian football. Um, and whether you like the, his style of football or not, or whether or not, you know, when we, what we do here, we discuss the actual facts and ask different aspects of it. That, that's, that's one thing. And you can be as critical as you like when, if you can back it up. But I think this notion of, of, I think Juventus fans need to cope with reality. And the reality is that they do not have a squad that is good enough to fight for the Serie A. They just don't. They pay for a squad that's good enough to, in terms of wages to win the Serie A, but the quality on the pitch is just not there. When your regista is Western McKenney, don't come whinging to me about winning the he's, Scudetto. <laughs> well, he's not the regista, but yeah. No, okay. but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. come on, like, can we can we please have some? Yeah, listen, re- uh, you know, you know, I just, I I I think that uh, anybody right now after seeing, uh, I mean, I've said it, I've said it all season. It's unsustainable for Juventus to keep it is. to keep you playing the way that they were playing and 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 getting results, and and that's what's happened. We've seen now. Like we saw last season, when some some fans and and some pundits thought that Juventus could actually challenge for the Scudetto last season before they got smashed five no. one by Napoli. Um, you know, people people try and uh, you know uh, uh, rewrite history, but that's what a lot of people were saying that the Juventus could challenge. There was a Scudetto game. I remember people nah, saying it before. I remember people saying yeah, it. Yeah, but before. that was that was just that was bullshit. It wasn't. I mean, well, it was. This, this is what happens. People say, "Oh, Allegri, you know they they're going to fight for the Scudetto nah, now." Last this is, this is a Scudetto. Not. My disappointment with last season was that they weren't even involved. I was expecting what we've seen this year already last year, but then of course there were mitigating factors for that that we know now. I just There's, listen. If anybody that still thinks Allegri is the right man for Juventus and has thought that throughout these three years are stuck in are stuck in 2016, 2017, <laughs> you can you can you can you can you can praise Allegri for being a legend of the club, uh, for for being one of the greatest managers in Juventus history, for for being a, a fantastic world class manager during his first spell at Juventus, which is all the things which I've always said mm, all along. Mm. And you can hold also hold the same yeah. opinion that he's been an unmitigated disaster in his third spell. And 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 that he is the wrong man for Juventus. And if you if you if you believe that those, I mean, that, I mean, I don't think there's many of them, but those that believe that he's the right man for Juventus are stuck. In I the don't past. think he anybody is. that uses that the uses the Allegri is one of the greatest of all time as a, as an as a as evidence that he's the right man for Juventus are stuck. Are literally, stuck I don't in think the past. that's true. I, I don't think you. Can, I, it's. I think it's evident that Juventus are moving away from Allegri. I, I think it's just it's it's obvious to me that. Well, we'll see. I mean, it's not at the moment for people that I've spoken to. It's unclear right now yeah. from all sides whether what does Allegri want? Does he want to stay? Does he want or not? Does he not want to stay? Does he want a new contract? Does he not? From Juventus' side, do they want to stick with Allegri for another year at least, or do they want to give him a new contract? It's it's unclear. Let's say it's unclear. I don't want to no, say what unclear. I want. You know, everybody knows what I want. Well, I, I, I'm just saying from a, from a, from a what I know and what what yeah. is out there from the people I'm speaking to. It's it's unclear. Um, kind of what is unclear. I mean, I think that's a mistake. I think that we're now at the end of February. We're going, coming into March. Top four should be secure. Or Champions League place should be secure, especially now that we're talking probably five Champions League places. 
But Juventus are in a strong enough position now that they should be planning for next season and they should be planning their next coach. And I think that this run of fit, run of games right now um, has shown where Juvent- what Juventus' level is under Allegri and that we're not really seeing any any progress on the pitch in terms of the play under Allegri. And that it, should, it should make the decision for them that, look, thanks, Max. Thanks for everything. You're a legend. You're d- everything you've done in your first spell, but let's move on. And that gives us both sides time to to build for ne- what they're going to do next season. The club and Allegri for his next spell. And I think Allegri's done enough this season to get another top job as well. So from that side, he comes out of it quite well as well. Um, that's what I think they should be doing now. Rather than waiting until May, then you're left late. You know, what's who you gonna who's gonna be the manager, who's you know, and it's too late. I can't imagine in a million years that they will leave it to May. I think what they're waiting right now it's unclear because now it's February, it's only February, March. I think there are indications to suggest that they will try to find an amicable solution um to that. Uh, I think it depends on what happens with Conte. I mean, I know that Romeo said there's no chance of Conte going to 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 Juve. I I'm not quite I'm not as convinced because I think it depends on what happens with the Bayern Munich job. If that who 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 gets that job, I think Conte and, and Mourinho are eyeing that pretty hard. Um, and also, there's going to be a merry-go-round in this summer as well. Hmm. You know, with with all sorts of coaches. I think, yeah, I think it's that's unclear. What's holding. It is, it is, it yeah, is it's unclear. very unclear on, yeah. on the big. You know, Klopp is leaving. Xavi's leaving. Hmm. Tuchel's leaving. Um, you know, we're we're expecting Milan to part ways with Pioli. Uh, there's so I think, much. Uh, I think what's his name at United will leave as well with a new. Yeah, Ten Hag could leave. Yeah. Napoli will definitely have a new coach. Mm. I mean, there's so many things. Roma, yeah, Roma as well, probably. You know, so there's there's so many spaces, vacant spaces Pioli, that I think yeah. Right now, yeah. there's so much going on. That well, what, what, well, just to finish <clears> off on Allegri though, what, one thing I think for sure, just to finish off on the whole Allegri hate kind of thing, and is it too far? I think that what this all does show that. And and it is very comparable to Manchester United, is that the fans are. I mean, I don't know how divided they are to be honest, because I think that the vast majority are Allegri out. But let's just say I that think so. let's just say that the situation is so toxic now towards Allegri that Juventus can't move forward as one until Allegri goes, and they, they, there's too much opposition to him. It's too toxic, like the Glazers at Man United, where the club can never build anything while the Glazers are there because. There's just so much toxicity and so much hate. Now, you might agree with that. You might think it's unfair. You might think that Allegri, you know, doesn't deserve as much blame as he's, as he's getting. And, and then to some extent, you're probably correct with some of the other things that have gone on at the club in the last the last few years. But I think that to create a unity and to try and to take a step forward and create actually create a new chapter of success, Juventus have to get rid of Allegri. It's just too toxic. We can't be dealing with this. And I know I'm probably as much to blame for it because I drum it up, but that's because I'm against Allegri. But, you know, it, we can't move forward while Allegri's there. Juventus cannot move forward with this kind of toxicity all the time, every week. It's exhausting uh, and, 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 and it's just impossible to go on. So I think for that reason, more than anything, um, Allegri has to go and Juventus have to make a decision to, to, to get rid of him and, and to move on, just to move on from Allegri. Um, but just to finish just off, as though, we're, just as we're recording this, Inter released uh, just a uh, breaking news that he suffered a muscle strain, uh, Chalanoglu, on his right thigh. Oh God! So you can say goodbye to the Champions League there, right in there and there. So, 
How many how many weeks are we talking about here? Well, straining on his right thigh. What grade they say, is it? They say leggero risentimento, like uh, so. I guess it's a slight. Oh, uh, that's a minor. He might be all right mm. then. Mm. He might be okay. I don't see him. I mean, it's it, these things are coming with Turam as well. Risentimento's Maybe. minor is a minor, very mm. minor. So he mm. might he might be okay. He might be okay. Mm. When's the when's the when's the game? Is it two weeks? Next week's the Lazio game, and it's two weeks. Yeah, it might come too soon. It's probably a three-week thing, um, but who knows? We, we can keep our fingers crossed that he's yeah, he's, so. that he's ready. Yeah, just just to finish. Sorry, just to finish off on 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 on, the, on Juventus, Chiesa, who who you who you brought up there. It's. I mean, look, I have some, I have some inside information on on Chiesa. I had it last last year, last in last summer, which I said on the pod from his entourage that Chiesa doesn't like Allegri. Uh, I'm not talking personally as a person. No, the football. I'm talking about he doesn't like him professionally. He doesn't. He believes he's bad for him. He he doesn't. You know, he doesn't like his style of football and where he plays him. He doesn't want to play as a centre forward. He wants to play as a winger. And that he wanted ideally to to leave Juventus last summer if Allegri stayed, which he did. But the reason why they didn't make the the transfer was uh, was a decision from... And I'd actually think in a way it was a right decision in the sense that he was coming back from an ACL and it was very risky making a move straight off for an ACL and also there wasn't going to be much interest in him also after straight after an ACL injury. So they decided to stay and after despite a bright start to the season, first five games, it's been a, another really, really miserable season for, for Chiesa. Uh, I think we can go as far as say disastrous season for Chiesa for Juventus, yeah, and, and um, so yeah, I think it's listen. I think it's crystal clear now. Well, I know it is at the end of it uh, in this summer. It's if Allegri stays, one hundred percent. There's no Chiesa next season. That is one hundred percent. But even if Allegri leaves, I don't think it's a guarantee that Chiesa stays either because of the. Um, the fact that his contract runs out and will Juventus give him... Like what we discussed a few weeks ago, will will they give him a new contract, Juventus? Is he worth the new contract? Because he's getting too many injuries. Um, you know, so there's lots of doubts over Chiesa's future. But what is for sure, and we saw how he was really un- angry yesterday, uh, and especially when he got taken off by Allegri. If Allegri stays, Chiesa's gone at the, in, in the summer. Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's probably like that um i i think it was was it last it was the week before we spoke about chiesa my thing is federico chiesa needs to understand that he's not the player he once was pre acl it's as simple as that i don't think chiesa will ever be that player ever again and that's why i think him being a winger is is, is insanity i don't think he's got it in him anymore to do those things that he did pre-ACL. I think he needs to, I think there is a place for him in football still. I think he can still be a fantastic player, play at the highest level, but it's not as a winger. He just doesn't have that in him anymore. I think the ACL ruined too much and ACLs generally do ruin careers like that. Players need to change who they are Mm -hmm. and how they play after them. Um, And uh, 
Chiesa as a central forward, I think, is, is is the most natural role for him. It's not a winger. I don't see him being a winger in a in a top side unless he wants to play a winger for a Fiorentina or a Lazio or Roma. But I don't think he is. That's where he sees himself. I think he sees him as a team that is not just winning scudettos but also fighting for Champions League trophies. And if he wants to do that, he can't play as a wide as a winger. He just does not have it physically in him after that ACL. And it's sad and it's horrible and it's disgusting and I'm pissed off because two generational talents in Zaniolo and Chiesa have been ruined via ridiculous injuries. It would be nice if Italy could for once have a bit of luck when it comes to these players, because whenever we produce a fantastic player, it seems that ACLs ruin it. Um, so, well, so the, that's injury, the injury issue is a big concern. That, that does concern me. Uh, and I also, you know, he doesn't have that. Uh, he, uh, he doesn't have that surge away from his man one-on-one in every, any area of the pitch, whether it's in the centre or on the wing that, that, that he had before the injury. That, that is clear. That I can kind of hope blindly <laughs> that it can come back. I know usually it takes two, two years before you fully recover from an AC. When I say fully recover, as in, it, as in, I don't know if you ever really fully recover from an ACL, but you know what I mean. Mm. They say that it takes two years before kind of like the direct effects of the, of the ACL injury kind of go away. Um, I do have my concerns. What what I would say though is that, and there's there's no doubt about this, is that you know I want to see Chiesa put in a team, and I do want to see him on the wing, uh, in a team under a manager that can get the best out of him. And, and obviously, Allegri is the wrong, completely the wrong manager for for for. for I mean, he, Chiesa believes that himself is completely the wrong manager for 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 a, for a, for a talent like Chiesa. I want to see him under under a coach. A more attacking coach, a more uh, a proactive coach, um, a, a more uh, a, a coach that, that 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 just attacks more. And um, uh, Allegri's not that man. And uh, I think that, uh, with the exception, you know, aside from the, the ACL, I think that Chiesa is a case study of how not to to use someone like him and like to use such a world class talent. The way that Allegri has over the last three seasons has, has been terrible. Even before the ACL, the first half a season, Allegri was using him as a second right back. He was playing him as a he was playing him wide midfield in a, a in a four four two and wing back in a and, and as a wing back. I mean that is just I mean that is just and that was straight after the the Euros when when Chiesa was was one of the best players in the world. I mean that is just a I mean that is just a, like I said a case study of how not to use a talent. And then when he's come back. He's used him as a, as a centre forward, which I, I don't believe. I've said it all along. I don't believe he has. He he is a centre forward. He can play in a centre forward. He doesn't want to play there. He always moves over to the left all the time, and that's actually why uh, there was there was reports yesterday that uh, on Sky that Allegri was was angry and shouting at Chiesa because he kept moving wide uh, during the game against Barcelona. <laughs> I can kind of listen. I'm not. I can actually understand Allegri there, though, to an extent. He wants him to play too. in the centre, yeah. and he keeps playing on the playing out wide. Then you're not doing the role properly. No. I, I, I'm not going to criticise Allegri there for that. He's absolutely. He's probably spot on there. Yeah. But that again, that comes down to Chiesa, you know, not being able to play the role. Also, to an extent, not wanting to play the role. I think it's both. I think there's a bit of both. He doesn't really understand the, the again. A bit like what I was saying with Skamaka. There's positional understanding of the role. And and um, this positional understanding of the role. I don't think Chiesa positionally 
understands the centre forward role. You can talk about his attributes all we want about how he's got. Yeah. How no, he, that's true. Do if you he know doesn't what I mean? understand it, yeah. If he doesn't want to, I, th- I don't even think it's that he doesn't understand. I think he doesn't want to. When someone, well, you can't, you can, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force the son of a bitch to drink. <laughs> and if he doesn't want to drink, he's not going to. The horse isn't just going to stand there and be like a stubborn mule. And that's what Kiersa's doing right now. He's being stubborn. He doesn't want to do it. So, no. so the situation and his body language becomes, is terrible as well. Yeah, it's horrible. But it's you know it's it is what it is. Um, but look, Juventus, another you know I, I think it the whoever takes over from Allegri if Allegri leaves is going to have to address the 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 Chiesa issue. It's, yeah. it's, that it's a club simple. issue as well, though, isn't it? Because of the because of the contract, it's, exactly. it's, it's, it's two. It's the club and the manager. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a... And 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 of course we you know this week about Pogba. Uh, as oh, well, that, God, don't let that, oh, that mess don't, as well. No, but look, it's, it, these things matter. I mean, <laughs> if you, if two of your, you know, every club has a certain amount of money unless they play in the Premier League uh, mm. or or a Man City where they can do what they want. Um, they, they, when, when two stars, when two of your highest paid stars are not even on the pitch for various reasons, no, it's going to affect you. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, it's it's going to affect how how you perform and and the Pogba thing was a was it was a disaster I'm, I'd like to say that's probably the worst return to a club in football history I, I can't think no of, no it has to be like no I bet I think I actually wrote an article with that, that exact headline yeah. <laughs> I think I could use that exact headline: the worst, <laughs> the worst return in football history. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable what an unmitigated disaster it's been. Mm. Uh, and and you were right all along when you said that it was going to be a disaster. Um, mm. But and and it's turned out to be that. So Juventus need to really mm. start, you know, keep keep going on this path that Allegri started in the sense of young and and something new. I think the groundwork of something has been laid by Allegri. I think it's, I don't think mm. it's, there's any point of him continuing that given the, the, the atmosphere around you. Um, if there's one, I, I don't, I don't think you can say he laid the ground. I think that's a club thing with the next gen and, and they've just signed another Argentine wonder kid this, this, this week yeah, but as, part uh, of that. as well. I, I, there's only praise. The one praise I can give Allegri is that he, at least he has play. He has been playing young, more younger players this, this season. For sure, this season, you know, like Cambiasso, um, like uh, and Yildiz has now come in uh, as well. I, you know, I can give some 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 praise for that. Whether or not, you know, how much he's he's done in developing younger younger players in general. I mean, obviously, you know my opinion on that. But um, you know, we're talking about one younger player though, just to finish on this game, Brescianini for Frosinone. I really like this guy. I really really like this guy. I don't know what you think of him. He's got a great goal in this game. Uh, he had another really good effort. I like him. Former Milan youth player. He's powerful. He's direct. He's got a really good left foot. He's been getting linked to 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 to, to Juventus actually in some of the bigger clubs in in Serie A. And um, yeah, he's he's somebody I want to I want to keep an eye on. Especially him. Yeah. No, absolutely. Frozenona have a few a couple of youngsters that are really interesting. Uh, now, now more and more reports coming out that Chalanoglu should be out for about 10, 10 days to two weeks. It's touch and go for Atletico. Go. That's um, good. Yeah, that's good. No, but I still think it's good by UCL. I, you you need a match fit Turami. You need a match fit Chalanoglu to play away against them, uh, Atletico at the Wanda Metropolitana. Mm. For goodness' sakes, it would be a miracle <laughs> to pull that off. Well, no, I think listen, the sentimento I know is is one that's definitely that de- mm. they can definitely get him back. 
they can yeah. definitely get him back. I just don't want him injured furthermore. Do you know what I, mean? I don't want mm. to risk it. I just yeah. don't want to risk it. Yeah. But look, just to yeah. end up, Vlaovic is looking good. Um, we have to say he's, he's scoring again. Yeah, he's, he's scoring again. again. He's, he's he's got seven this year in twenty twenty four. Yeah, he's on fifteen in the Serie A now. Yeah, and that's that's good. Look, if I think he's going to reach twenty, and if he reaches twenty, then you yeah. can you can say that is that progression. Already. Yeah, that is that, that is, is progression. That is, that and, is, I mean, he should be doing that anyway. But it's where we see where he's come from. I mean, yeah, that's 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 still that's good for Juventus. That is something that we could, that Juventus can try and build. Up. That's what we that's what we need from Juventus. We need things that we can say right. They can build around this. They can build around that. And and then Vlaovic, a score in Vlaovic, that number of goals. That's that's something they can build around. Um, right, okay, we, we, we're pushing on now. So let's just, just to round up the rest of the Serie A results. So Sassuolo 2, Empoli 3. Two two things from this. First of all, Davide Nicolo is, is, pushing, <laughs> on, is pushing on another miracle. Three wins, two scores in six. They've now got a gap. They've got a five-point yes. gap over the, over the relegation zone. It's, it's miraculous. <laughs> but it isn't miraculous for, Dav- for Dionisi, who is now sapped. And, and it's, it's, Finally. About, it's about time, isn't it? <laughs> Finally, like they, they are, they like, I don't understand what they've been waiting for. It's, it's, it's been obvious for a long time now with Dionisi that it's not working at Sassol. I, I, I don't understand. Yeah. They what better hope been they haven't for. left it too late. I mean, there's still time, I guess. But it's, it's, uh, as I will show in a minute, it's very tight at the bottom. Salernitan and Neil Monza too, Maldini and Pessina, and in Genoa too, Denezi Neil, lovely bicycle kick from, from Retegi. And that means the bottom of their table is very, very tight. I mean, Salernitana are gone. They've got yeah, 13 gone. points, bottom. But then we've got Cagliari, Verona, Sassuolo, all on 20 points. So three teams on 20 points. Then we have Frosinone and Udinese on 23. Lecce on 24. And then even Empoli on 25. So everyone from 13th to 19th is in... Is in, the is, in, is in the scrap. relegation race, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. And it's seven, teams, seven teams for, for, for two spots, yeah. Yeah, it's mental. It's going to be very tight. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, Mon- so we Wednesday, got- we have two games. No, we have to, well, we have two games on Monday. We're recording this before Roma, Torino, and Fiorentina, Lazio. And then on Wednesday, we have Sassuolo, Napoli, and Inter, Atalanta. Uh, let's finish off with Baggio, Premface, and Celias of the week. Right. Badjo, Badjo of the week. Uh, well, someone from which, Inter. I mean, they, yeah, they beat I mean, Atletico can... and they and then they win four 0 Yeah, um, and probably not I, one player. Inzaghi. I think let's go with let's go with Inzaghi. Yeah. I think. No, I mean, jo- yeah, Joshua Zirk says uh, general form that what he did against Hellas, uh, the link-up play and these touches are just ridiculous. Inzaghi's football where central defenders are playing <laughs> number 10 roles. Yeah. Midfielders are dropping into central defense. Attackers are, I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's, a, it's a dance. It's a controlled, beautiful dance of mm. positional changes. And Davide Nicola, let's, put him, let's, let's throw him down as well for, for, yeah, for and, and, creating and, another miracle. <laughs> yeah, uh, and Hellas Verona being thereabouts as well is just crazy. Yeah. Um, uh, and of course, Retegi's bicycle kick is a good shout. Mm. Um, right, yeah. prem face, prem face of the week. We've got some, we've got some shockers this week, haven't we? What is this? There's, there's, a, there's a new, uh, there's a new kid on the block for for, <laughs> for prem facery. Everybody, check out this account. The account is called EBL, EBL at EBL 2017. 
apparently worked for a football club. Yeah, apparently. He's, I don't know he's got he somehow he's got one hundred and fifty eight thousand followers. I would imagine about ninety percent of them are bought for, for certain. <laughs> um, but 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 he claims to be a first team analysis in the EFL, and he has a Patreon page. He also has written down that he's uh, got a degree in his, in his Twitter bio what degree as well, um, which probably says a lot. <laughs> but uh, he, he has come up with some ridiculous prem facery in, in the last week. So on after... No, first class masters in performance analysis, 2-1 by BA in uh, 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 master of science and performance analysis, a two first class honor, 2-1 uh, BA, sec, upper second class honors bachelor in psychology. Yeah. I yeah, don't can read a lot into his psychology. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. What? Are, yeah. So Sorry, let me read on. out. He's got two. So first of all, this came uh, last week off the Porto beat Arsenal. <laughs> the it, Sean Dyke it, one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Nice, yeah. So he he said that Sergio Conceição has taken inspiration from Dyke's yes, Everton to beat Arsenal. Yes, yes of course. Yes. <laughs> yes, of course. Same approach from Porto tonight as Dyke. Um, except with technical, more technical quality and longer ball striking in the build-up, attract and play over. Conceição has taken inspiration from Van, I can call him Van Dyke. We'll get to him in a minute. To Sean Dyke uh, at Everton. Uh, so this is uh, e- EBL Twitter account. So there you go. Sergio Conceição learned everything he knew from uh, from Sean Dyke. Yeah. And 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 I think is speaking of um, I mean if Virgil Van Dyke is is this kind of mental like there is there is a mental block that these prem faces have with with turning Virgil Van Dyke and pow, into Paolo Maldini I don't know what it is no not into there, Paolo they, Maldini no they they want to turn him b- into some sort yeah, of an advanced version of, of he's better than Paolo Maldini yeah. so, so this EBL Twitter account he's not the only one. He, he he proclaimed that Virgil van Dijk was the the greatest defender of all time after he he scored a header to win the the the, the Carling Cup final in the, in the, one of the worst finals the Carabao Cup final what's it called yeah. now I don't know yeah, it's the Carabao called. Cup and it's truly one of the worst finals at any level I've seen in my life that game no. was atrocious and in that game Virgil van Dijk made a defensive howler that I don't know you know it was it was embarrassing uh, that and, and but this guy believes he is the quote greatest ever defender to ever live um and uh, he's not the only one he's not the only one this has been rife on on uh, among uh, prem faces in the last uh, 24 hours that so many people there was there, there, someone else um with a lot of followers called van dyke the greatest dutchman of all time so and to which so Robert Rojas replied, he's not even the best Dutch player with the name Van in his name, um, <laughs> which I thought was a fantastic uh, t- touch by Roberto. Um, look, this notion of, of, of he, he also said this EBL guy replied to someone said, could Maldini lead the last line aerially? Not, you know, fantastic English. Could Maldini lead the last line aerially like Van Dyke or co- even come close to it? No, he could not. Ramos, however, could but he was too easily bypassed in ground duels. I um, I just want to refer to uh, one of uh, our listeners, Christian Aquino, who replied, who about in 2019 sent out a tweet when this, 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 this mental psychosis that they have about hang-up they have on Paolo Maldini and turning Vir- Vir- Virgil van Dijk into Maldini and better than Maldini. It's been going on for a couple good good five years now. And Christian tweeted out back then, 
Maldini at 27. 416 appearances for Milan. Captain of Italy, four Serie A titles, three Champions League, four Supercoppa, three European Super Cups, one Intercontinental Cup, World Soccer Player 94, World Cup All-Star 1990 and 1994. Maldini achieved all of this while Virgil van Dijk was playing for Southampton at 27. <laughs> Hope this helps. And it's like, yeah, Virgil van Dijk is one of the greatest defenders of his generation. There is no doubt about that. But comparing him to Paolo Maldini for the heights that Maldini reached for 20 years? Seriously? Like, get over it. You don't have Paolo Maldini. In, 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 well, there's only one Paolo Maldini. Franco Baresi. Like, these are generational defenders. They don't exist anymore because football has changed. So can we stop with this? Van Dijk's been around since at the top level since he joined Liverpool in 2018. So we're talking six years. Of those six years, he was out for almost a year for one of them with, a, with an ACL. Uh, he then was a disaster for a year after coming back where he, where he couldn't get back to his best level. So he's basically had four years at the very top. He has been, I think, the best defender in the world for, for certainly before his injury. I think he was the best, the best centre-back in the world. And he was at a fantastic, fantastic level. Um, but, I mean, the, the idea that he's, he's even close to being one of the greatest uh, of all time is, is, is so laughable that I don't even want to debate it. It's just a joke. If you, if you believe that, that Van Dijk is the, the greatest defender of all time, you're either a biased Liverpool fan or you are a, a 19-year-old, 20-year-old kid who started watching football about two or three years ago. Or you just simply yeah. don't understand football. I, I, <laughs> One of those. I, I, Simple I, as that. I, That's the only thing I, I could say, really. I, I want to, I, when I, when, when going into like stuff like this, I, I blame all of this tactical nonsense, these Twitter tacticals with a ridiculously stupid lingo that they've invented. That doesn't mean anything. It's just word salad. Um, I blame the, the, the patient zero of this. This They're the Frankenstein monster, and Dr. Frankenstein is Arsene Wenger, who came up. Listen to this the nonsense in this quote from his book, My Life and Lessons in Red and White. Passing the ball is communicating with another person. It's being in the service of another person. It's crucial. For the pass to be a good one, the player has to put himself in the position of the person who's going to receive it. It's an act of intelligence and generosity what I call technical empathy. Do one, Arsene. <laughs> I mean, the, the Van Dyke oh, stuff angers me a lot more than that. It pisses <laughs> me off. Like, that is... It's word salad. It doesn't mean anything. It's the art of saying something without actually saying anything. Did and you say that this week? No, it's an old quote, but oh. these tacticals, he's the reason for this. He, he cultivated this culture. Because he came to when he came to England and and and, and revolutionised football because he was very tactically prepared in a in a, in a league. I, I where, just think with the Van Dyke stuff, it's just stupid young kids who haven't watched any football, who who are prem faces, who haven't watched any football outside of of their own country. They think that the Premier League is the only thing that exists. Premier League, uh, the football football was was born in 1992 when the Premier League was born, and 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 you know that that's it. You know, when you when you see these people, they, they compare who they compare Van Dyke to. It's it's usually 
Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, maybe Sergio Ramos, yeah, and then yeah. and then they'll throw in Paolo Maldini because they've heard his name, you know, <laughs> exactly. and that's it. That's it. That, that's the comparison. So who who is the greatest defender of all time? I mean, forget about you know, forget about uh, Franz Beckenbauer and and Gaetano Scherer and Franco Baresi and and uh, you know these kind of guys. Forget about them. I mean, they weren't even heard of those names. So. So yeah, he just—it's not even—it's not even doesn't even warrant a debate. It's just a joke. He's childish. But we have to give a shout out to Jerry Armstrong, a commentator in Ireland, who called Olivier Giroud Didier Giroud twice in Milan Rennes. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jermaine Defoe saying which player in world football he would pay to watch replied with Cole Palmer, and of course our good friend Jamie Carragher, who who has to, who can't just leave it alone, and was talking about Virgil Van Dijk, saying it's not always about the money, is it? Virgil van Dijk cost Liverpool 75 million euros. <laughs> the most euros. expensive centre-back ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, oh my days. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It, it, it's never a dull moment. And and, and, and I'm sure this is going to continue. Virgil van Dijk um, uh, versus Paolo Maldini debate, uh, something that only exists in their heads. Um, and it's very, very funny to, to see this, um, to be honest. Yeah, okay, right. Serie A's of the week to finish off. I have yeah. one of yeah, the Napoli official Napoli Twitter account. <laughs> so they put out a post on Sunday. This was ahead of the game against Cagliari. And it has three Napoli players who are wearing suit jackets and jean <laughs> shirts. They are Simeone, uh, Ostigard, and I think it's Lindstrom in the middle and they put as the post as the caption Peaky Blinders <laughs> ah. now I've watched Peaky Blinders fantastic show it's a great show I'm sure most people listening have watched Peaky Blinders uh, I I don't understand what, what why they've written Peaky Blinders as the caption it's, it's three guys wearing wearing a suit and jean shirt Suit jacket and jean shirt, and they put peaky blinders. Can somebody, anybody listening, can somebody explain why this is peaky blinders? Like, why? I don't know. Why? One does not question Aurelio De Laurentiis and his media communication. I mean, one just simply goes you know, the they're not wearing that peaky, if they were wearing a peaky blinder, you know, the, the hats that the peaky blinders used to, used to wear, maybe I could understand it, but I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. My my serious of the week is um, Ivan Juric, uh, one of one of Ivan Juric's backroom staff, uh, Michele Orecchio, who was arrested and thrown out by the police, uh, where what spying on Roma <laughs> in their training session. Um, he was removed by the police, and it's not the first time that he's done it too. Uh, he, <laughs> he, it's last April. He, he, Corriere dello Sport is reporting that uh, he was using high end technology to spy on uh, <laughs> on, on, on Mourinho's uh, Roma uh, when they were had a closed practice. Um, and uh, Nuno Santos was pissed off and then threw him out. I, I think it's so hilarious. I, these, this is these, not the first time that spying on the training grounds happened. Do you remember, do you remember Marcello Bielsa? When it I happened? love Marcello Bielsa. That was Bielsa. hilarious. He got drones. To, to, like, My favourite part to... of Marcelo, Marcelo Bielsa is the reaction to that. 
when he was defending himself. He apologized for it. It was in when he was in Leeds mm. and he he um I think they were in the championship and the following the following press conference he held a lecture with his notes on how he studies football to show that he although this was bad and the 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 spying was not good you know he understands football and that he knows he follows the data and he tracks it and blah 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 and and the re- it was hilarious it was complete comedy gave a lecture on 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 players and how on on various stats that he'd collected himself uh and handed it out to the journalists sitting there during the press conference it's brilliant absolutely brilliant it was okay right let's leave it at that long show for you today and we will be back on Tuesday for the Q&A. And then later this week, either on Wednesday or Thursday, we have a special interview um, that we yeah. will be airing, which I think you're all like, um, with with the co-owners of Campobasso FC, Matt Rosetta and Mark Consuelos. Uh, Mark Consuelos, this is his first time on, on the pod, who's a famous actor in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in the United States, been in um, All My Children, Riverdale, uh, Queen of the South, and also is a uh, uh, co-host along with his wife, Kelly Reaper, of the, um, of uh, uh, one of the biggest talk shows in um, in, in in America, uh, live with uh, Kelly and and Mark, and um, the Matt and uh, and Mark are the co-owners of Campo Basso FC, who who are who've been described as the Wrexham of of Serie A. They bought them in the fifth division. Um, of, of Italian football and they're, they're trying to work their way through the divisions they got promoted last season uh, they're, they're now on course to get promoted again this season as well it's a fantastic kind of Cinderella like story great great story so both of them come onto the pod and we all talk we talk about that uh, I think everybody will, will really really like it we talk also about Mark and his, his love for, for Italian football uh, and uh, I think you'll all really really enjoy it so check that out that will be out probably Wednesday or Thursday this week okay right have a great week everyone we'll see you next time on tuesday ciao ciao